Welcome to We Go There. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... But hey, we go there. Because there's no such thing as having too much information when it comes to your health and wellness. We dive deep into topics, interview experts, and get answers you need. Because knowledge is power. And feeling empowered is what we're all about. So let's go there. Today is a very special episode. We are talking about C-section recovery, and I am sitting here looking on Zoom across from me at the face of my beautiful co-host, Lexi, who had an emergency cesarean three weeks ago. She has twins. She now has four kids, four and under, just for context, two uncomplicated vaginal deliveries, and then twins. And then the first twin A was a vaginal delivery, and then twin B She'll get into this, but ended up being birthed by cesarean, very emergency. And she said to me that this recovery after two relatively uncomplicated vaginal deliveries or very uncomplicated, she's like, this C-section recovery is like, I'm getting shivers as I say this because it is wild and it has been so much more challenging than anything she's experienced before. So We have got here an amazing expert to help us all navigate this, Nicole Alfred. She's a registered massage therapist, a doula, a C-section recovery coach, and her and Lexi are actually from the same hometown, which is super wild, and they just discovered this. So this is going to be good vibes. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. You yourself are a C-section mama. You've given birth by cesarean twice. You've got so much to say on this, so thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited. We have so much to talk about, and I feel oh, like we just did a lot of rambling. <laughs> no, you didn't, and you introed it perfectly, and I'm going to be like in and out because I'm feeding the twins right now, um, so they get a little spicy at times, um, but I am just grateful for you being here because I need all the tips on C-section recovery. I came in really unprepared. I really was confident that I was yeah. going to have two vaginal deliveries and that was you know both both twin a and twin b nash and violet were in perfect positions to be set up for that and um and even in delivery like it was a big surprise to everyone because uh i it really was going in a perfectly seamless direction until it completely was not so i'm like really grateful i get like emotional already talking about it but um It's, uh, yeah, I can't wait to ask questions and learn uh, and also recognize that this is something that so many people need to learn more about because as moms, we're just not paying enough attention to ourselves. And I've had two now emergencies that um, had I not had the right support around me could have ended up really bad uh, in in postpartum and I'm only three weeks Mm -hmm. out. So it's, yeah, a really... uh, it's an important topic and yeah. uh, for postpartum moms, especially C-section and I mean, vaginal as well, but this is, I'm excited. So thank you. No, I'm rambling, Nikki. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, you are, I think everyone now understands that this is going to be emotional. Um, and it's also really, really important because the truth is like, you're literally sent on your way and you're sort of like, okay, what now? Like the aftercare is very poor. And Nicole, yeah. you're shaking your head. So can you speak yeah. to that a little bit? <laughs> I think, you know, when it comes to 
birth in general, right? Like birth is such an emotional experience. It's transformative to your body while you're pregnant, going through the birthing process and then being in postpartum. And I think in general, we're treated as, you know, this is just something that's natural and you should just, your body will just figure itself out. And we know that it's not as simple as it sounds. There's complications. There's the fact that you're taking care of babies or a baby or other children. Some people don't have a lot of help and support. Um, And when you're looking at C-section recovery, we are looking at major abdominal surgery and childbirth. So you're dealing with all of the childbirth factors, except for obviously delivering a baby through the vagina. But like you did, you delivered through the vagina or even people labor for like for my first 40 hours, right? And so then you go into the cesarean and you're left with just basically incision care and how to avoid infection and how to take medication. And the rest is up to you to either flounder and figure out and feel overwhelmed by it all because you're also trying to figure out how to take care of a new baby, right? Um, or you just, you know, do nothing and then you let all the symptoms creep in. So it's a really disempowering experience for a lot of new parents, especially C-section, because again, we can't compare vaginal delivery to C-section. Like they're very, very different experiences because one, although you can have tearing and complications with vaginal delivery, forceps, all of, you know, vacuum that caused some trauma to the area, it's not major abdominal surgery. Right. And so, you know, even for yourself, you've been through both on the same day. And again, you're there, kept there for probably just two days, like everyone else, not given any extra care or extra information, and then just sent on your way to figure it all out. So it's, it's, it's not, and I was talking to Nikki about this earlier. This is not a Canada issue. This is not North America issue. This is a worldwide crisis. And because I talk to people all over the world and everyone is saying the same information. I didn't know and wasn't prepared and I don't know what to do. And, and we can look at definitely the experiences between emergency cesarean and a planned cesarean. They're also very different, right? You have, you have planned cesarean, which people knew ahead of time. They have pre-existing health issues. You also have unplanned cesarean where their whole pregnancy was healthy no reason to have to have surgery and then last minute told they have to. So now you have the emotional factors in there. When you look at emergency cesarean, it's there's always emotional factors that come in. And that's why I think you were mentioning that you're going to start getting emotional talking about your experience because it's an emotional experience and it's, there's no empowerment. There's no empowerment with that emotional experience. It's figure it out for yourself. and yeah. And then the lack of control that that you feel like you have over your body, which birth is unpredictable and you can plan as much as you can plan. Like I planned for a home birth, right? I think we had the same doula, Nikki. We both had Lori. Oh and my God. Yeah. <laughs> God bless yeah. her. I've known her for years. And so, you know, I planned and I did the best I could being a doula myself. I really wanted that home birth. Unfortunately, my, my baby was just so big. He was 10, nine, but also his head was huge. And I wish they would have just said the head thing because then I would have been like, okay, let's have a plan. But when you're just telling me my baby's big and I'm talking to other practitioners and they say, yeah, I've delivered big babies. Mm -hmm. Why do I think otherwise? Right. So I think this like lack of information going into childbirth with cesareans because no one I find in North America doesn't really want to promote the use of cesareans. 
Um, and so no one talks about cesareans. Some childbirth education classes are coming out with more information now, mm -hmm. equally as much as they do with vaginal delivery, um, because there needs to be information. Mm -hmm. What happens during the process? What happens after? And I think a lot of people look to their doctors to be the responsible one to advise on how to recover properly. Unfortunately, it's not in their skill sets. It's not in their scope of practice to be giving rehabilitative information. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just don't find there's a lot of practitioners that even focus in cesarean recovery. So what does mom or parent end up doing? Relying on Google or oh, totally. Instagram videos <laughs> to give totally. them a plan. <laughs> I thankfully had a combo of a midwife and OB team. So my midwives were there through it all, which honestly, I would be the trauma of what I went through would have been significantly greater had they not been there. And then the postpartum, honestly, like I had a blood pressure issue and thankfully my midwife was checking the babies and, and I that day about a week post. And I, I, I would have had ended up in emerge or worse. Like it would have been a very, very bad situation had she not checked my vitals that day. Right. So she's helped me, you know, I've been in constant text. And then yesterday I literally was in the, in emerge for another issue, which we'll talk about. Yeah. I have lots of questions about nerve damage and things like that. So, um, it's, but I've had a midwife that I've been texting and has called me throughout this process to like yeah. walk me through what's normal, what's not normal and coaching me when I needed to ultimately go to the hospital to deal with it. So yeah. that is like, you know, I feel very fortunate in that. And I think I would be in a very different headspace had I not yeah. had that support. And a lot of people don't because they have the, their OB whom, you know, I don't, I don't actually know how to contact my surgeon right now. I should, I should know that, I guess. I don't know. Well, just their care model is different, right? With a midwife here in Canada, at least you're getting so many prenatal visits with them and you're getting like that really more one-to-one close care obstetricians are also gynecologists and other types of specialists they don't have time mm -hmm. to be prioritizing us in the way that midwives do even for me with my first um the midwife was coming she brought me a smoothie she's also a friend of mine but she brought me a smoothie into the hospital um you know when she came for my my day two visit and then was visiting me on a regular basis throughout that whole first and second week at my home and then i was seeing her weekly when you talk about people who've had cesareans in North America, in Europe, they, and especially during a time like now, during COVID, you and I both birthed during COVID as well, Nikki, mm -hmm. with our seconds, uh, there was no care, right? There's people who like either weren't even getting to see, be seen in person and or not even having their incision looked at and or not even getting a vaginal exam after, even if they were pushing before their cesarean. Like, not even touched. <laughs> and so that lack of care there is, is an issue as well with you feeling supported and knowing mm -hmm. how to feel empowered in your body and postpartum. Ooh, I just, <laughs> it's heavy. You, it is very heavy <laughs> and it feels, yeah. I mean, obviously we're also dealing with a shortage right now, medical yeah. provider nurse shortage. I mean, that's a whole other can of worms to open. This episode of the We Go There podcast is brought to you by The Bell Method, a fitness company that blends Pilates with pelvic health, creating choreography from science. You might feel overwhelmed at all the abs after baby programs promising to make you bounce back after birth, or maybe you're feeling unsure of how to exercise in pregnancy and prepare your body for delivery. It can be tough to navigate what information is credible and evidence-based. Women deserve better. 
I created all of our programs with the guidance of pelvic health physiotherapists, and we continue to evolve our programming to stay current with the latest research. At The Bell Method, we ditch guilt and bring balance to our bodies with programs designed to fit your life stage. We'll help you reduce incontinence, diastasis recti, and prolapse so you feel strong, confident, and empowered throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I invite you to enjoy 10% off your first class session with the code WEGOTHERE10. Visit www.thebellmethod.com for more. But how do we change it? from it being something where where people can reclaim their power like how do we yeah. go from feeling kind of lost and set adrift into this vast ocean of like you know lack of support you're sort of floating along trying to keep it together frankly looking yeah. after your kids like just that alone the hormones just taking care of your kid is so much let yeah. alone dealing with major surgery and not having really, it's sort of this message that that women get, like we really cared about you in your pregnancy, but now that the mm-hmm. baby's here, see ya, you've served yeah. your purpose. Yeah. It's like an empty vessel. Yeah. You're, you're no use anymore, but yet you feeling good and strong and confident and empowered makes you a better mother, better, better parent. Yeah. Right. And that's, I think, you know, some of that was conditioned into us. A lot of us as little children is, that when you become a mother or a parent, you are sacrificing it all, right? You sacrifice your body during pregnancy, during childbirth, and like you just give it all to your kids. And what the message that I'm trying to get across is that that doesn't make sense. It's not helpful to have that attitude. And it doesn't make you a better partner, person, woman, mother, parent, right? Um, and that's because if you're not filling your cup, if you're not doing the things for yourself on a regular basis, five minutes a day, even if it's just a check in with yourself to see how you're feeling, yeah. then you are not going to be showing up as the best version of yourself. Cause so many parents I talk to are pushing through pain. And, and I don't always think it's that there's a lack of information. I think they can, you know, go on Instagram and TikTok and Google and, and, and see that there's information there. But I think it's that there's not that um, importance put on the parent in postpartum. Mm -hmm. Everything is all about the baby, right? Um, So I think changing the way we look at our postpartum period, my midwife friend had a great suggestion for breastfeeding when we were chatting once. And she said, like, having a breastfeeding plan. And I was like, I love that idea, right? How many of us do we know that who's, you know, gone down the breastfeeding journey, um, and, and it's not going the way they thought it would. And they're literally almost in or in postpartum depression because they feel so conflicted with feeling that they had to do it in a certain way. And I know so many C-section moms go down that route because your body didn't do what it was supposed to. And there's this whole story that's created there. But like that whole idea of having a plan, I love, love that idea. I'm a planner myself. I know a lot of moms and parents are planners. <laughs> and, and I think having a plan for postpartum. Don't just build up to this like event, this big event, which is what I did. Birth to me was like so, so important. I didn't even think about postpartum. I didn't think about consequences that could happen, you know, in my life to my body in postpartum either way, if I delivered either way. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, having a plan in postpartum, you know, we talk about like cooking meals and making sure you have enough help, but how do you get back to yourself? How do you find yourself again? Not the same way as before, because it's going to be shifted. 
priorities are different. But this idea of being able to have this plan, knowing what to exactly focus on um, with a little bit of mental effort, right? And and knowing exactly what to do to get your body moving again, to, you know, start working on your core systems, to start working on your, you know, your pain, making sure your incision is healing properly. There's so Mm -hmm. many C-section moms, especially when they have other kids that have incisions that are opening and getting infected because they're literally not resting. They're like, you know, as soon as the six, six week mark comes, they're doing boot camps. As soon as they start to feel kind of normal again at like either like three weeks to five weeks around there, they get that energy again because they're used to sleep deprivation. They're like, I can clean the house. I can go mow my lawn. Um, and it's like you had major surgery. That's not recommended after a vaginal delivery. It's definitely not recommended after a cesarean. I think that's a really hard part for me, especially like I was just saying to Nikki um, before this, like just not being able to move the way like I would. That's where I find my calmness is like in movement, walking, whatever. Right. And I had really great first and second vaginal deliveries and, um, and even third with Nash was so, so good, but it's that like now and I'm at three weeks now and I just got pushed back again to like literally feeling like week one with the nerve damage and stuff like that. So I was finally walking and pushing the stroller outside and now I'm like back to no, like you need to rest, you know? So that mental part is really under underrated too. Like it's just not, I I didn't realize that part was going to be so challenging mentally and finding that space for yourself. And I think like the images that we surround ourselves with when we're on social media, when we're looking at, um, you know, television and movies and maybe even like, you know, past generations is this idea of giving birth to a baby and then quickly getting back to normal and bouncing back. I think that whole bounce back is BS bullshit. I'm allowed to say bullshit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the reason is, is because you're still you, you just have, have changed a little bit. You've grown a human being inside of your pelvis. And with C-section, you've had major, major surgery. And Nikki and I were talking about this earlier, but when you go for any kind of orthopedic surgery, knee surgery, I like to always bring up, you are on like a rehabilitative plan. You know exactly what to do. And you're also not taking care of a new baby. Those people are definitely not putting the pressure on themselves the same way new mothers and new parents do, right? A, we have a hard time asking for help. And B, it's it's that idea again of like, I need to like do all of these things to feel like I'm good enough because I feel like my body didn't do what I wanted it to do, which was birth my baby in the way that I thought it should have happened. And, and it's, it's common. It's so common. Like it's, it surprises me. You know, I talked to this one lady and she was like, yeah, I had to up my pain medication at 10 days postpartum. Why? Well, I went mini golfing for my husband's birthday. (laughs) I'm like, you literally had a major abdominal surgery 10 days ago, and you were out on your feet for maybe a couple hours, mini golfing. (laughs) Right. And it's, again, like it's, it's the stories that we're telling ourselves. It's that's motivating these things. So I think, you know, just knowing like I am good enough, I have done enough. And what are ways that I feel like I can be prioritizing myself right now without doing the things that I know 
are going to be putting my recovery at risk. Yeah. Right. What are things that I can have control over? Nobody wants to feel like they've lost control over their own bodies, over the way they want to do things. And and that's a very common feeling after a C-section. I know I felt that from mine. Um, I felt like a failure. I felt like I just wasn't, you know, do my body didn't do what it needed to do. And I was, I was so mad at it. Um, and I put all this pressure on myself to breastfeed because I thought this is the only thing I can actually do that's natural. Right. Mm -hmm. And it took, I had lost a lot of blood during my C-section and it was like, I, I, it was a lot of complications. Um, and, and they were surprised my, my milk actually came in at six days postpartum. But right before that, they were saying, okay, maybe we should give you some formula. And I thought like, hell no, like my body needs to do what it needs to do. I cannot be giving formula. This is not a part of my plan. And I remember just bawling my eyes out and my midwife was sitting on my couch and she's just like, I feel for you right now. Like, I know things didn't go the way you had wanted. Um, and I know that it's hard, but like, you have to think about, you know, doing what your baby just needs right now. It doesn't mean that you're not a good mom. Um, but I felt like the worst, I felt like shit. I felt like the worst person. Um, and, and I remember he pooped and it was like brown liquid. And I was like, ah, oh, we're done. We're not doing this. And then my milk came in the next day. Thank goodness. Um, breastfeeding is normally I find, cause I've been working with perinatal patients for 18 years as a massage therapist. And I find that breastfeeding is one of those things that like people think is just supposed to come natural and easy. Mm -hmm. And it is the hardest thing, but I will tell you with my first, it was the easiest process in postpartum for me. Um, it was the easiest. The birth was the hardest experience I ever had in my whole entire life. Um, however, through doing my own work and on myself and research and educating myself and then practice, I've been able to turn that around. And that's that's why I'm, I'm able to be here today talking about being a C-section recovery coach because I saw this huge lack in the healthcare model where we live, but also through talking to people all over the world. And I knew that there needed to be more support. We needed to talk about cesareans, not as this like dirty little secret that no one wants to talk about, but actually as something that can be very empowering and can be, you know, really easy to recover from and not such a struggle. And that's by having that plan. Can you talk more about you've had two C-sections and, yeah. and you've shared that they were different experiences. Oh, yes. So obviously <laughs> you've got someone who's gone through a planned cesarean, maybe for a breech baby or maybe you know, whatever reason, um, placenta previa, who knows? And then you've also got a situation where you both, Lexi and, and you, Nicole, have both experienced an emergent one. And, yeah. you know, we know that that even even the suturing even the way that the incision was done, you know, if your uterus is actively contracting during an emergency cesarean, that's going to be harder for the obstetrician to do that surgery than if, yeah. you know, everyone's chill, it's planned, you're listening to your favorite playlist, you know, you've got yeah. like, you know, it's a very different thing. So, you know, I would love to hear, you know, maybe a bit of your difference, the difference between the two and how do you, how do you potentially plan for a cesarean as well? Yeah. So I first want to say that I support all birth. Whatever people choose to do for themselves is right for them. However, I think that we should always inform ourselves as much as possible. 
and C-section is major, major surgery. So if you don't need it medically, and that's mental health wise, if you don't need it medically, then get support from a doula and a midwife and try to do it vaginally because the there's there can be a lot of complications and chronic issues with c-section because it's major surgery so i just want to say that because i get challenged a lot on like you're promoting c-section you're not supportive of c-section so i want to say that i'm supportive (laughs) (laughs) i'm supportive of ever of it all okay because i've been i've been there um you know for me birth was like one of those times in my life where it was bringing this baby in in earth side you know bringing this human being into the world and I wanted to create such an environment for them and for me to just do what I thought was supposed to happen on its own. Um, and it was a rude awakening when I started, you know, getting the dangling of, you know, you might have to have a C-section because you have a big baby. And that, but the thing is, I'm such a headstrong person. It pissed me off. And I was like, I don't want to know about your research. I want to know, have you been able to birth babies this big, Right. And, and I remember just, you know, going through labor and I literally was like going from one thing to another, right? Like first it was the tub, then it was the gas, then it had to be uh, a glove full of ice because my cervix was swelling. Then it was the epidural because my cervix was swelling so much that I would have had to have a C-section. Like I literally, I was up on a squatting bar with the epidural turned down. Like I literally tried to make my baby come vaginally. He just, his head was too big. And pushing myself that hard because I was so determined to do it in a way because there wasn't a lot of support around C-sections. I'm an RMT. I had a clinic to run at the time with practitioners who depended on me. I had to get back to work in three months. I knew major surgery was was going to complicate that. And that's also what was try- what was motivating me to not have a C-section. So what I'm saying there is, is like, there needs to be more information and support that it's okay if that is medically necessary. And if you have some time, you can be at peace with it. Because I then went into my cesarean after 40 hours of labor and my uterus actually tore during the C-section. So I have a T scar in my uterus. I started bleeding. I could, I saw it like, and and literally they took everyone out of the room and I I had to get put under general anesthesia. Like my husband literally did not know I was going to come out or not. He thought he was going to potentially be a single parent. And it was such a traumatizing emotionally and physically experience for both of us. Um, And, and going through that, I knew that if I were ever going to have another baby, I needed to make it the most empowering, special event of my life. And so I planned the shit out of my birth, (laughs) not knowing it was going to be four days into COVID. But um, I literally went from feeling so like loss of control, such like such a failure, like, you know, thinking my body didn't do what I was, it was supposed to do and so sad about the way I birthed my baby to then having my second experience, which literally was blissful. They literally pulled her out. And the first thing we said was that she looked like my son. I was like, whoa, what's happening here? Um, but also that let's do this again. That was the first, like literally they pulled her out. We're like, this is great. Let's do this again, you know? And to have that experience from the first one was life-changing because I thought like, if I can do this because I've done my research and I know what to do, other people can have this. 
Like C-sections don't have to be the end of the world. They don't have to be this life sentence. It's birth, right? It's a surgical birth, but it's birth. So knowing that, you know, having that emotional piece of childbirth being taken care of so that you can focus on physically healing. Because if you focus on one and not the other, it just, it doesn't work, right? Like for me, I focus on my physical healing. Saw the phys- saw the pelvic physio right away, did the chiro, did the osteo, saw massage, did all the things, didn't deal with my birth trauma. Eh, I'm fine. I'll just, I'll get over it. I'm a strong person. I'm good. Uh, and then like two years later, go for a tooth extraction, get a needle put in and have a panic attack mm. because it was the first medical experience since that. And the nurse was thinking like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I think it's from birth trauma from two years ago. And they were like, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to leave you because I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> oh my God. What a moment. Oh, what a moment. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. But that moment told me that you're still not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still not okay. And you're not really prioritizing yourself. You've gone for appointments, but you're not doing the work at home that you know you're supposed to do as a therapist and as a patient, you know, hiring a personal trainer at 15 months postpartum and then, then having, you know, leaking urine, you know, when I would sneeze and then thinking, crap, I thought I did the work already, but no, I wasn't working on it at home. And that's why you know, I, I realized this in my practice as a therapist for 18 years that there was something missing from the care model of mm-hmm. seeing a practitioner in person. And it was the fact that new moms have a hard time prioritizing themselves. They need to know exactly what to do. It has to be simple and they need help and accountability and support to do that, right? To say, okay, I'm joining this thing for 12 weeks. I'm going to show up every week. I'm going to get that motivation. I'm going to get lifted up, help build my confidence back. And I'm going to, I'm going to start prioritizing myself in very small bits and pieces along the way. There's going to be road bumps, but that's okay. Cause I have a person to check back in with. That's how I became a C-section recovery coach. That's how I created the C-section recovery method program. Because for me and the clients that I work with, just doing exercises is not enough to make them feel fully healed in a very holistic way. Mm-hmm. I knew there had to be more to like empower them. Mm-hmm. Right. There's rare people out there that are like, yeah, doing the exercises and they're doing great and whatever, but majority will do it for a little bit. And then they give up because they're sleep deprived or, mm-hmm. you know, the baby gets sick or like, you know what I mean? How do you do? And the then we get the last. Like we need to talk about that. The empowerment. Oh, so what, are, what yeah. are the tips? Can you share tips? For, for anyone listening to this who is in that space yeah. of feeling yeah. overwhelmed, sleep deprived, yeah. disempowered, lost at sea. Yeah. yeah. So what we do in the program and what I, I talk about online too is, is, you know, like writing out your birth story, right? If you're not ready yet to go talk to a therapist and all that, but just like go online, look up some questions that you could, because I, this is how I found the questions for my program. Like there's questions that you can, you can like, um, Think about when and, and think about how, how you actually feel about your birth rather than just writing it all down. It's like, where did you feel empowered? Where did you not feel empowered? What's something you want to remember? And so, you know, write down all of that. Again, you can talk into your phone. You don't have to write it. You can talk to talk to text, right? But get it out of you. Don't let it just like stay in there because it will manifest. I always say it's like a, a monster in the closet, just like waiting because it will show up. And And, you know, so get that out of you and then eventually make a plan to deal with it because it doesn't just go away. You have to work through it instead of 
forgetting about it or pushing it down. Okay. And then the second thing is have a plan for yourself. You know, the first couple of months even of motherhood with a new or parenthood with a new baby is like a fog because you're so tired. You're constantly feeding, constantly changing, constantly doing sleep stuff. Like you get stuck in these like cycles. How do you fit into any of that? Right. That sounds overwhelming to even think of it. I love making lists. Make a list, right? Be able to cross things off that list. Even if it was like I stood in the shower for an extra two minutes and like really shampooed my hair or I made sure I shower every single day, even if it's a quick one at the beginning, right? Taking the minute to stand outside of your house where all the kids and everyone's inside, but you're in peace and quiet. Like I like to do that at nighttime right now in the summer is sit outside with the stars and just, you know, silence. Because if you don't have that, then, then you don't, then you're not tuned in with yourself. You're constantly tuned into everything else. Mm-hmm. limit the amount of time that you're using social media <laughs> and, and make sure you make sure you do an audit on that. Don't follow accounts that make you feel like shit, right? You can follow them again later when you're ready to do all those other things. But if right now you're following and you're seeing all these people with these bodies and all these things, and you know, like you, you're not even ready to be doing the workouts or exercises or nutrition plans to get there, stop suffering, stop bringing it into your, into your um, world. And just unfollow and then refollow later. Um, because when we're tuning into all of these different things, they don't make us feel better about ourselves. They make us feel worse, mm-hmm. right? So writing out your birth story, having a plan for the week, knowing that you can cross things off to feel good about accomplishing something other than just care for baby, being able to tune in with yourself and doing an audit on your social media, um, I think, you know, we think we don't ever have time that used to, that used to be my mantra. My husband would be like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. And he started being like, why do you say you don't have time for things? I was like, I don't, I didn't realize I was even saying that, you know? And, and it's because I wasn't making the time. It's because mm-hmm. I was distracted by everything else, which instinctually your body is telling you to do all of these things for everyone. Yeah. So it, it is a little bit of a war. You have to fight against that and say, I need to make time for myself in very small bits and pieces mm-hmm. so that I can feel good. I think it's, I mean, those are really great tips and I can completely relate like, or they hit home for sure, because I know like I can't bring myself to write my birth story yet. Um, no, it like, takes time. It's just not something that I'm ready for. And yeah. I mean, Nikki and I are going to have, we're going to do it actually today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, whenever, but we're going to, I'm going to chat with Nikki first and, you know, to tell my birth story and on here on, on our podcast. And, um, and I think that would be really helpful because Nikki's the person I want to talk to about it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, but writing it out, I also find like for even the first like two weeks, like I couldn't even look at my C-section scar. Yeah. So like my Adam, like everyone else was looking to like inspect it and they're like, it looks so great. And I was like, does it? Like, I don't even know. It's like, a disconnection. Yeah. It's a so connection. Those types of things um, have been like surprising, I think yeah. for me. Um, but those are, and then social, like, I mean, after the twins were born, I spent a solid week off social just cause I was yeah. like, I don't even know what to say. I don't even, 
have yeah. words. I'm like lost and I just need yeah. some time. So, and I'm just, I'm very fortunate because I have a really strong support system. Like I have help and like, you know, I have two other kids, but we have, we have help. Like we've got lots of help around us and I cannot even imagine. And my heart like goes out to moms who don't have help and are, are trying to do this all on their own. Like it, it really is like, um, with the added addition of like, I've had a vaginal birth and recovery and I've now experienced this and it is like beyond. So yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. My one of my clients, I was chatting with her because I do actually have quite a few clients who vaginally delivered with their first and then their second was emergency C-section. And it's such an interesting experience and perspective to have on birth. And this one I was talking to, we were talking about um, her first versus her second experience. And she was comparing the two from like a physiological standpoint you know, and she was like, physiologically, my body was in labor and delivery. And then, you know, baby came to me and then they're birthing a placenta and like this whole kind of cycle that, you know, just like goes and then eventually starts to taper off. And she compared it to her C-section, which was a part of the cycle going of the hormones and the process during childbirth. And then having like a hard stop baby is just taken out and it's done. Now you're in postpartum. And it was such an interesting perspective because I've never had it. So I never really thought of it in that way of the effect on your physiological body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and now hormones. yours might be a tiny bit different because you were already, you know, birthed one baby vaginally. But for the people who, who like have had like singleton babies, um, it's a really interesting difference on how you feel in postpartum after those experiences. And like, you're just saying, Nikki, from that hormonal perspective. Oh God, yeah. 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 You get like an, I mean, endorphin high after an uncomplicated unmedicated vaginal delivery like you are like woo I feel amazing like (laughs) I've had tearing both times and it was just like whatever you just have your hormones hormones are just like right yeah I mean then it crashes and you start crying at cat commercials days later but I'm talking immediately (laughs) after right like immediately after you're still in hospital there's this like euphoria and I just and yeah. yet to juxtapose that to like an emergency where you're like, holy shit, like what just happened? Like you're just, you're blindsided and Shock. you're in shocked shock. and in yeah. pain. And, you know, and then the societal, like, you know, the question, did you have a natural birth? And it's just like, yeah. like first of all, it's yeah. a vaginal birth. Let's use the correct terminology. Thank you. Thank you. Second of all, <laughs> right? It's, it's such a loaded word. Yeah. I've talked about this as well. Oh so it, it is a really... It is a really yeah. hard thing. Can we talk a little bit more about the dissociation with the scar? I feel like you're an interesting person to talk to about that yeah. regarding as being a registered massage therapist. Yeah. Um, you know, and even Lexi saying, and I've heard this from other students as well. I don't want to look at, it. I don't want to touch it. It grosses me out. Yeah. I can't. So what's going on there? I've even had like, I need to drink alcohol before I even attempt to try to massage it. And like when you get these moms going into all these Facebook groups, like, what do I do for my scar? Oh, just massage it. And then they're randomly YouTubing videos about massage. And then they go to do it. And it's like, oh, no, this is not happening. Or it made them feel a lot of emotions. It's all a part of the trauma, right? Like birth doesn't have to be necessarily this huge traumatic event for you to have trauma. I think some of the trauma can come with the unexpected experience in postpartum after a C-section because it's so downplayed 
when they have a plan C section, they're like, yep, feeling good. I know it's coming. Like I'm good. And then they go and they're in so much pain because it's major surgery and it's a shock to them. Right. And then they're like, how the hell you have to literally learn how to walk again and move your body. And, and that's so limited in those first, that first week getting out of bed. I remember like the, the stress of, and crying every time I have a C-section at day three, when you're home and you're trying to get out of bed to be independent, but you don't have a button to push to bring your chair up or the bed up. Right. And feeling like, I just feel like a beach whale. I can't even move. Like I literally have no strength in my body. I can't move. I need someone to help me. So, you know, trauma can happen, I think, at any of that time. And, and when it comes to the C-section scar, this is the entrance for your baby into the world. This is how you birthed your baby. So for me and my approach, I it's such a sacred area. Like when I've had patients come in to my in-person practice, I never just go straight into the scar, no matter how long postpartum they are. I always find out if they feel a bit of trauma or if it was an emergency C-section and they're not aware of the trauma. Um, We talk about that because I want to know what kind of emotions may come up here while I'm doing this. And yeah, you're right. A lot of people have a hard time looking at it, touching it, massaging it. Um, But it's an area where you can bring peace to. You can bring peace to it when you're ready to help you with your birth story and your trauma. And, and we start off by just placing our hands over it and breathing, saying affirmations, right? And affirmations for me are not just like replacing the shitty feeling. It's acknowledging the shitty feeling and, right? Like this giant scar is here now and I am not happy with it. And it also brought my baby into this world safely, right? And so it's about doing the affirmations and the breathing and the connecting before we even attempt to address the scar tissue. And I do want to say one thing about the scar. It's one thing that is sounds so simple to do, yet doctors don't recommend it. They don't recommend scar massage. So a lot of postpartum patients after a C-section leave their scar, leave it to heal, leave it to whatever. They don't even address it. Like I had a client in my clinic three, uh, three days ago, six years postpartum back pain, Mm -hmm. hip flexor issues. Mm -hmm. And I was like, looking, Oh, you've had a Mm C-section. Yeah. Same thing with 40 years. I had another client 40, four, zero years postpartum, same issues. No one mentioned anything about the fact that it could be from having a C-section and that it's from scar tissue built up. And for both of those people working on their scar, instant relief, right? Oh, because we sure. because we have to look how like how major the scar is. It's not a little cut on your skin. Oh. And and we were going to talk about myths, I think. And that is one of the myths is that my scar looks great. And I hear this all the time. My scar looks great. Great. I'm glad you think that your scar looks good. That's great for you. However, the scar tissue goes all the way down to your uterus. Each layer that heals also can stick together, right? There's complications that can happen, not for everyone. And when we look at long-term chronic pain or long-term complications with pelvic health, it's definitely a connection to having a C-section scar. Yeah. However, this is not an area that is told we need rehabilitation from our medical system. It's so true. And and this is something that 
it also, so it's like, okay, <laughs> a lot of people have, have said, okay, great. You want me to do scar massage and I've got video tutorial. Okay, fine. But like, how do you get past that emotional piece? Yeah. I love what you said about the affirmations, just hundred percent, you know, first putting your yeah. hand over it. Um, but like, what are, I think this is just, I want to talk more about the scar stuff because, um, you know, one, and you can tell me, I'd love your thoughts. In fact, I'm like getting ideas cause I want to come and like shoot <laughs> tutorials with you at your clinic. I feel like we need them, right? Like we need more of them. Lexi's like, yes, she's not. Yes, we need them. <laughs> and thank you for saying that. Like I just hearing that I got really emotional because that is exactly like I haven't, I actually have been, obviously I know that's how Violet was born, but I haven't associated it to that. Yeah. And that's really, yes. And I get it because I've been there, right? And I think that's what is different about what I do is that I'm not just some practitioner that's like, hey, do this, this, and that. I'm like, literally, I have been there and I know exactly how it feels. And that's why I was able to create such a special offering to people online because I'm not able to do it in person. I, I can do it a little bit in person, but then they go home and they go back to regular life and I'm not there coaching them and cheering them on. When I can work with people online, it's like I'm their cheerleader. And sometimes people just need to get asked, like, how are you today? Or you're doing a great, like when I hang up with my clients, we do group coaching. When I hang up with them, I'm always telling them like, you're doing a great job. You know, two weeks ago, I had to say like to one of them, you're doing enough. This week, all that you have going on, I have people in the US whose husbands are in the the, the the Navy and Army and they're away like while, you know, they're, they have a two week old or a two month old. Like, and so I have to tell them like, you're doing enough. And sometimes you just want to feel validated, mm-hmm. you know, with how you're feeling because doctors dismissed, friends and family dismiss. Oh, at least you and the baby are okay. Right. Like the way you actually feel about how you birth doesn't matter, but it does because you're not just a physical being. You're a spiritual, emotional human being. Right. So the way that you birth does matter. Lexi here. Okay. So let's shift to another under the radar, not so hot topic for a minute body hair. Everyone's got it, but a lot of us want to live smoother. Am I right? 10 years ago, I started Wax On Laser and Wax Bar. Wax On isn't just any waxing and laser hair removal bar. We are the industry leader creating a safe space that inspires people to live confidently in their own skin. Over the years, we've developed trust. Trust that you know you're getting the best quality and comfortable experience every single time. Whatever you come to Wax On for, it's going to be awesome. We've created our own exclusive gold wax formula that's like no other. It's as pain-free and long-lasting as it gets, perfect for all your waxing needs. At WaxOn, we've invested in top-the-line laser technology that's effective on virtually any hair and skin tone for effective results on every body. Seriously. And we carry a carefully curated collection of products. Some we make ourselves, locally I might add, and some are from brands we've fallen in love with that adhere to our values and standards of clean, good for you, and female founded. If you haven't experienced Wax On, I invite you to enjoy 20% off your first service with code WEGOTHERE. Visit waxon.ca or download the mobile app to book in with code WEGOTHERE because there is such a thing as a better hair removal experience to help you live smoother. And, And you were talking about birth story earlier. And 
it resonated with me because I wrote my birth story probably five times before I actually put it into a blog post and then shared it with my Facebook friends. And the reaction was still so strong because I wrote it very like matter of factly. And then I added eventually emotions. And then I was like, the reaction I got from one person was, wow, I can't believe you went through that. I never want to have kids. Mm. Like that made me feel like shit. Yeah. I can't. Right? And our, by the way, our burster, I also have a T incision. Um, oh. They couldn't get Violet out and I had oh. a bandle ring. Yeah. It was really rare as well. And yeah. so same uh-huh. they want. And yeah, very similar experiences. Yeah. So yeah. And <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it just makes recovery so much more difficult um, and and makes the experience so much more intense when you have all of these different things happening. Um, oh, and also you have to take care of babies. <laughs> like we're talking about the intensity of childbirth and about cesareans. And then we like, and that's, and that's why I think, you know, if people have the resources, like get the help, get the support. Um, I have tons of free resources too online because I think like not everyone can afford to pay me and work with me. And I totally get that. But I'm able now and I feel so blessed from all my experiences and feel so good about an alignment with like who I am as a human being on this planet to be doing this work because I am able to put out a video and hit 2 million people who hear that they have to massage their scar Mm -hmm. that never knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the power of media and social media to, to bring these messages that aren't being talked about by their doctors or their family who just brush off symptoms and move on with life don't actually help people. It keeps them stuck, you know? And when you, we were going to talk, I think a little bit about that six week mark about doctors when they say six weeks, good to go. Um, that is the most bullshit exp- like clapping my hands. Yeah. <laughs> it is the most like cringing and comment. then clapping. <laughs> it is so far from the truth. And I think that they all need to kind of meet together (laughs) and, and, and have a huddle and say, what are we really saying? And this is what I interpret it. Okay. What I think that your surgeon is really telling you is you don't need to be in my care anymore because you've healed well from surgery. So go back to your doctor. If there's anything else that comes up, but you're good to go as far as you've healed from surgery and, you know, pregnancy. That's it. Don't tell people to go back to workouts. Don't mm-hmm. tell people to go YouTube or Google things because you don't know any idea, you have no idea what you're talking about. But telling people that they're good to go back to normal life and then they try and fail. That's they got horrible. pain during sex. They're leaking pee. They, you know, have still so much pain in their lower back, in their incision, everywhere. Like they don't feel like themselves. They don't even feel like I have clients at nine months after uh, one of them in particular, after twins, couldn't get off her bed without pain. Mm-hmm. Like she literally had to do all these weird roll and movement. Like, you know what I mean? Because she was pregnant with twins. Like that impact on her body adjusting to carrying two babies mm-hmm. and then major surgery, right? And so, you know, to be told to go back at six weeks is, and again, they're not touching you. They're not looking at you. Like, how do you know? How do you know? I, I honestly think that pelvic physiotherapy should be a part of all healthcare systems 
Um, I still go one, once a year to see my pelvic physio for a tune-up or oh, if I'm going to be changing something in my activity level just to make sure because yeah, I'll forget sometimes to do, you know, my, my breathing work and, you know, my, you know, my contractions and all that and stay, stay connected if there's been a period of time of me not exercising or focusing on it, but like just for the postpartum visit to go and get that clearance from them. Oh, that would be it's the word clearance though, from like, from the OB, like the, I'm using air quotes. How do they know? Is it yeah. really what it is? And I talked to an obstetrician yeah. friend of mine, I asked her and she's like, oh, that's because it takes six weeks for stitches to dissolve. For tissue and no, tissue that, healing. That, yeah. Well, just yeah. six weeks for like, <laughs> yeah. stitches. that was her answer. She's stitches. Wow. Yeah. It's just to check the stitches. And I'm like, so there's no discussion of you know, the deeper layer, like, why can't we start to say, Hey, here's a pamphlet. Here's a video to go watch on scar yeah. massage. Hey, what's it? Yeah. Can we talk about castor oil packs? What's the benefit yeah. there? Like, you know, these are easy, inexpensive things you can do at home. And yet people aren't getting this information. Right. So like there's a no information and then there's the wrong information. Uh, I'd rather wrong information. <laughs> So I'd rather some information for the awareness than nothing, right? Like to be told literally nothing, setting up unrealistic expectations. Um, one of my neighbors is um, a labor and delivery nurse. And I was like, I wish that you guys would just tell people like, hey, have you heard of this? I've heard of it. There's no liability there for saying you've heard of something. Mm-hmm. You're not telling them to do it. She's like, oh, there's just too much liability. Like we can't say anything. I'm like Wild. what what kind of world are we living in seriously like what is going on so i you know i think the more of us that talk openly about this the more we talk to our friends the more we share these topics the less you know it's we're going to think that it's okay for us to be suffering so mm-hmm. much in postpartum lexi before we wrap up, is there anything, because you're dealing with some specific stuff, is there anything you want to ask Nicole? Because I, I don't want to like dominate or hijack. I have a tendency to do that sometimes with my questions. <laughs> and I feel like this is so personal to you. So before we wrap up, I'm going to let you kind of close. And because I feel like, you know, obviously this is so personal. It's what you're going through right now in like real life. You're still holding the twins, like nursing on camera. You're amazing, by the way. Just I know. set the stage for people listening. <laughs> But I also have my amazing nannies helping hand off and like juggle, which I don't, again, it's like feeding twins without another set of hands would be impossible. So let's, I just want to be very clear. Like I'm not a superwoman here. I've got help. Thankfully you are a, you are a superwoman (laughs) and, and you have the ability to have more help and that's okay. I know. I know. Don't downplay that because you have created what you have in your life to have that. So you're that it's a blessing that you've created that for yourself. Thank you. So don't, don't downplay that you have this extra help because Mm -hmm. people wish that they did, which is fine, but it doesn't make you not as worthy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's the, and it's the appreciation that I have like gratitude around that, but all, and also appreciation for all the moms that are doing this and especially with twins too is like, wow. Um, So, and thankfully, as you're talking about breastfeeding, like I luckily being this third and fourth, like I've done this before and I, they both latched, like they're feeding really well. And I think that that is a big weight off of like, you know, what, 
what could also add to like all of the stress, right? Like breastfeeding is incredibly stressful for women. So, um, but one thing I'll definitely uh, ask about, so is around nerve damage and the, like, so I had a, just yesterday I was in Emerge because um, they thought that my, that I had appendicitis because in my lower right abdomen, I had excruciating. And I mean, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I do have a really, like, I have a good pain threshold. Like, you know, I, I, I can handle the pain. And, um, it was back to like day one of C-section pain that I was experiencing. So like healing over and like just through the roof. And so waited it, waited it out, waited out for, you know, two days, I think. And then, Finally, everyone was saying, because I got an ultrasound, they couldn't see my appendix. And then basically, finally, my midwife and, and GP were both, you have to go to Emerge. So was there yesterday. And thankfully, it's not appendicitis. And it's just extreme nerve damage that is on that side or nerve regrowth, whatever. Um, and I had no idea that that would even be a possibility. Um, so I don't know if you know, you know, if you've experienced that before and things you can do for that, how common it is. Um, but that's yeah. one of the things that I'd love to understand more about. So there's, there's a couple of things that came to me while you were talking. And I think one of them is, I was saying this earlier, that time between three and five weeks, when you start to feel a little bit like yourself again, some people overdo it. And then well, the pain yes. feels like it did at the beginning. Right? right. And you're not on the same pain med. So sometimes it's worse. Right. Um, cause most people taper off around like the end of week two, I would say some not, but you know, um, and so that, that can be part of it. Uh, the second thing is there definitely can be nerve damage. However, um, if you are able to, and you have the stomach for it to YouTube videos, there was this one doctor, um, in India and she was teaching remotely cause it was beginning of COVID. Um, and she was talking about the layers through like just pit- drawn pictures. Um, and she was saying like the procedure and how they actually do the incisions and how there's some areas where they won't use um, tools. They'll actually use their fingers because they don't want to cut the nerves and the blood vessels because that can happen. Um, and so if they use their fingers to do it, it's less likely to damage. However, it can still happen. I find a lot of times when it's like actual nerve damage, we're getting more of the referral, like going into the inner thigh and going downwards. Um, nerve regrowth is definitely can be very uncomfortable for some people. Um, it can feel like sharp shooting. It can feel like numbness. It can feel like putting on certain materials of clothing being really irritating. Um, so yeah, like mine feels like I've had shingles before and it's literally like shingles almost like yeah. to even have a piece of clothing touch. It is like, oh my God, yeah, through the roof kind yeah. of thing, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, that's, it, that's interesting yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, also, uh, one of the things I was saying before I was like, I need to be on this and jumped on today with Vicky cause I was sending some questions through is, um, expectations on recovery. So again, like my recovery with, uh, Piper and Clark, like just even physically, I, you know, was, I recovered really well by the three mark month or three week mark. I looked very different than I look now. Like now I still have like, what I would be like 15 to 20 weeks pregnant probably. And, you know, with the uterus, I think, settling slower and those types of things. Can you talk a bit about that? Because I think that that's where 
a lot of people also and and mentally like not being able to mm. move work out the same way also feeling different about yeah. your body because it's not it, yeah. like it's like is it gonna look the same ever or right. am I literally gonna have this little like belly f- for the rest of my life like belly shelf <laughs> yeah like all of those yeah. things are I think a lot different with c-section at least for me yeah I talk about this so much. Um, It's a huge aspect of our program and it's the postpartum body acceptance because I think that, you know, we live in such a like physically aesthetic, you know, society. You're constantly being told like, oh, you didn't even look like you had a baby or you get celebrated when you look thin. Um, You don't celebrate people when they've gained weight, but you celebrate when they lose weight. Um, So it puts more pressure on people to have to look a certain way. And then I also think that when it comes to childbirth, again, we're looking at things online that are unrealistic expectations for us to look towards. But also if you're comparing to friends, family member, or even previous experiences, it's so hard on us mentally because A, if you've never had a C-section, the belly's going to look different, right? The swelling, the fact that like you've had an incision to cut through the area. So now that's going to affect it. For you, you've carried twins, so your body went through like a huge, tran- bigger transformation than someone who who delivered a smaller singleton pregnancy. And also the fact that you had a vaginal delivery and then a C-section, right? Your body is going to look very different there. And this comes up all the time. I have people in my Facebook community online who will post pictures and say like, I still look like I'm pregnant and I'm, you know, six weeks or, you know, eight weeks. And everyone's like, girl, you just had a baby. It takes time. So what I think is a part of that is the fact that if we don't feel good about ourselves, if we don't feel empowered in ourselves, how did you deal with that before babies? Sometimes it's exercise, right? But you're you're recovering from major surgeries and, and from being pregnant. So you're not able to do all of those things right away like you normally would. So you feel kind of stuck. You're like, I want to work on feeling more empowered and stronger again and better and and maybe work towards some goals that I have for myself physically because I think sure you can look however you want to look that's your prerogative however there's that huge piece in the middle that's missing between incision care and going into an exercise workout program mm-hmm. which is like the rehabilitation of your body right and so I think it's really our mindset we need to change our mindset in a way that focuses more on can I function every day without pain? Can I do everyday functional things without pain? Yes or no. If it's no, you're not good to go, right? Like the doctor said, you know, can I, you know, connect to my core system? Have I been checked, right? All of these things are so important before. So focusing on our physical aesthetics is like easy, almost like it's easy to start, you know, looking in the mirror and being like, I don't like this. I don't like this. This doesn't look good. Um, And then again, we start going down the comparing cycle. So mentally it's so hard on us, especially like I had a client, her husband, when she came home, I think she was maybe a week or two postpartum. And he was like, did they leave a baby in there? Oh God. She still, her uterus was still high. Like And she had a C-section because people think that you have a baby and then you're flat. Remember there was that whole thing with Kate Middleton when she gave birth or it was one of those Royals or something where it was like, (laughs) oh, they look like they're pregnant still. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Right. 
So I think, again, it's society is creating these, these like, you know, thought patterns for us so that we internalize and it, we've been raised this way. This is like yeah. years of this. But I have a question. So, you get asked it all the time. Oh, yeah. Like I just saw it, you posting a uh, question about it too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I have a question actually. No, this is, I'm, I'm thinking about this now and no one's ever brought this up and made it so clear to me, but assuming now, obviously, and I know this from the second, the afterbirth pains are harder. The second each kid you have, like it, that it takes, it's almost like your uterus has to work harder to contract back to its original. Right. right? It gets yeah. worse. <laughs> um, and, and I'm just thinking, first of all, it would be worse with twins because your uterus had to get even bigger. So it has to work even yeah. harder. But would, yeah. would a scar in your uterus not make it take a lot longer to contract back to its normal size? So I'm, I'm presuming that after a cesarean, just by virtue of the fact that you now have a scar in your uterus, your uterus isn't going to be as efficient at contracting back to its regular size. So you're going to have a belly a little longer because your uterus is going to take yeah. a longer time to get back to its pre-pregnancy shape. Right. And, and even like healing the diastasis. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, there's so much to talk about here. I think we need a sequel. <laughs> I know. <we> <laughs> Part two. Like, yeah. But yeah. Totally. So the belly shelf is normal. Belly shelf. Um, <laughs> I call it a belly shelf. Um, we have a belly shelf guide in uh, the link in my bio on Instagram. And, um, and, and so the belly shelf is normal. And, you know, we don't work on it as a way of like lose weights. We work on it as a way of everything you talk about, Nikki, with like the pelvic health and, and, you know, alignment and posture and functional movements. Scar massage is a huge one because it releases the tightness around the skin and connective tissue and all the layers in that area, which can help. Um, and then lastly, what I talk about, and someone just emailed me about it and said, thank you for including this because it's so important, is the mindfulness factor, is the, you know, let's stop hating our body so much, you know, let's start accepting that this, you know, may never go away. You can go for surgery again to get it aesthetically fixed. It's totally your prerogative. However, it may never look like it was before. And so how do you work on being okay with that. Mm -hmm. You could lose all of the weight and do all the workouts and take all of Nikki's programs because I know they're <laughs> great. I have clients that take them. Um but like it you might have extra skin that hangs over it now or you might have you know extra stretch marks and all this. So how do we come to be at peace with this and stop hating ourselves, right? And and I talk about this with my clients. I look back to when I was 20 and I was working out five days a week you know, super fit, very curvy. I always was, but I didn't fit what my friends looked like who were all stick skinny. And I would cover up my body because I never thought that I looked good enough, you know? And I look back now at 38 years old. So almost 20 years later, what the hell was wrong with me? <laughs> what was I thinking? Right. I look damn hot. And I, yeah. and I honestly would fit today's societal you know, terms of what beauty is today because of how curvy I was. And so when I, when I look at that, I think I was being hard on myself yeah. and it needs to start with me. And it's the same with postpartum body acceptance, no matter what you think you have control over or what you don't coming to accept and care for your body in the way that it can be functional and serve you instead of just being this like perfect, whatever. Because it's never going to be perfect enough. You're always going to have something that you want to, you know, dissect or change or whatever it is. And I think when we're in our 80s, looking back, we're going to say, 
wow, I looked hot when I gave birth to those babies, you know, like, and it's always going to be like that. So I think that like, yes, let's work on the functional aspect of why you have a a belly shelf. Let's work on the functional aspect of getting your body healthy and, and being able to move without pain and prevent chronic injury and issues through scar massage, right? Through core connection exercises so that we can actually live our lives Mm-hmm. because we're always going to be changing. Like we're forever changing. Yeah. Amen. A for yeah. the- <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tell us again where we can find you. I know we're going to have this in the show notes, but just let yeah. us know. Yeah. So you can go to c-sectionrecoverymethod.com and it's the c-section-recoverymethod.com. And uh, you can download my bio or my bio. You can download my free guide, the belly shelf guide. You can come to one of my master classes, which is the three ways to take control of your recovery without having to rely on Google. So that's how you can learn more about how to help yourself and create that plan for recovery because you are not alone. We all go through it and it is okay that you feel the way that you feel, but you don't have to struggle. So great. And I'm so happy I came on and thanks everyone for your patience. If you heard babies, <laughs> I'm so happy and, I got to see babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, and, and also I'm just so great, happy because it's been helpful for me just to be involved in this conversation as, you know, a, st- a first step in, um, a new direction. So appreciate your time today and thanks so much. I know you're helping, you've helped me. So helped Aww. a lot, a lot of others out there for sure. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoThroughPodcast and check out WeGoThroughPodcast.com for more info.